What is up, guys, and welcome into another episode of the Blake Pace Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Pace, and I hope you guys are having a good Tuesday. We are here July 10th. Uh, I, you know, was hoping to get an episode out on Monday, but I had the great opportunity to go tour uh, ESPN Studios in Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, I got to go on set to a lot of their, you know, uh, sports center sets, stuff like that, get in their studios, met a couple people there. Uh, it was a great time. I, you know, ESPN is, is quite the place. They've got an amazing campus in Bristol, great area. So I didn't get a pot out yesterday because of that, but we're here on Tuesday, July 10th, and this is the first all-NBA edition of the show. I mentioned it last week on our first NFL-only edition of the show. Um, you know, one of the biggest things I had feedback is I got people who want to just hear NBA, and I've got other people who want to hear just NFL, so I'm doing it, you know, two shows, one NBA a week, one NFL a week. We're going to talk recent news, talk upcoming season, a lot of stuff like that. Um, we're sitting here July 10th. LeBron is officially a Laker. He signed his contract last night, uh, four years, $154 million. Uh, other stuff that's happened recently, Booker, uh, Devin Booker of the Suns reached a uh, $158 million extension. Um, this comes after a few days of rumors that he was upset that the Suns let go of Tyler Eulis. Really, what it came down to is they were just upset that they didn't tell him that the uh, transaction was going to be occurring before they actually did it. Um, some other things, we're in the Summer League right now. Um, Chris Paul officially re-signed with the Rockets. Uh, yeah, we, we got Summer League in Vegas. We've got free agency s- still going on. So we got a few different things we're going to talk today. Um, I'm going to, you know, give you some of the guys that are really impressing me um, in summer camp or sorry, in uh, <clears throat> the NBA Summer League. And of course, take that with a grain of salt. It's the Summer League. Um, but, you know, I believe that it can be telling sometimes. So we'll we'll talk about that in a second. We're also going to talk about some of the teams that, you know, Quietly have had some pretty good uh, free agencies, pretty good free, uh, pretty good off seasons as well. Then we're going to look at the flip side of that and talk about some teams that maybe haven't been having the best off season. You know, some questionable signings, uh, transactions like that. But we're sitting here. I'm ready to get started. So let's just dive right into things. First, we're just going to talk about the uh, recent, you know, transactions around the league. Um, most recently, you know, a big storyline is the Thunder planning to either stretch out the contract of, uh, forward Carmelo Anthony or, you know, buy him out. Either way, it's expected that Melo and the Thunder will part ways at some point this offseason. Of course, Oklahoma City, um, you know, with Melo on the roster, we're going to have to pay 300 million, uh, in over, you know, way over the cap. They brought in a bunch of guys. Uh, Mello is the odd man out, is going to be, uh, you know, heading out. Um, the the teams right now seem to be uh, the Rockets, Lakers, with an outside chance of um, Philadelphia and Miami. And at the end of the day, I'm fully expecting that it'll be the Houston Rockets and a few other, you know, things point to that as well. Um, the Clippers recently took back Lukamba Mute uh, from Houston. And of course, Houston also lost um, Trevor Ariza earlier in this offseason to the uh, to the Phoenix Suns. Now, Carmelo Anthony, of course, has experience um, in Mike D'Antoni's coaching system in his offense in uh, some of his later days, or his early days, excuse me, with the New York Knicks. Um, of course, there was at one time reported tension between the two. Um, you know, if you think about it, Mike D'Antoni's all about the layups or three-pointers, and Melo's really in that mid-range game. Um so, you know, you it, 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 Melo's at the point in his career where you really can't be uh, telling 
coaching staffs. No, I'm going to continue to play this way. I get it, Mello. You're you know you know one of the better small forwards to play the game and uh, offensively. You know, um, a freak athlete in his time at Denver, a guy that I hold a lot of uh, love for because he you know was really the first guy that made me fall in love with basketball from his early days at Syracuse. Of course, I followed him to Denver and really stuck to being a Knicks fan when he came here. Um, but Melo's really hitting that outdated part of the NBA. The league is efficiency now. It's it's three-point shots. It's layups. It's sharing the ball. It's multiple uh, ball handlers. It's you know length, athleticism, defense. Um, and Melo is a mid-range guy. He doesn't give effort on defense. He's not that athletic anymore. He's had a couple uh, significant injuries to his legs. And so I'm a little wary of this Rockets signing. Trevor Ariza was such a valuable part to the Rockets offense, like I've said a couple times, um, from the three-point line, that corner three, he was electric for them. A great shooter to uh, just kind of sit in the corner and wait for the ball to get to his hands from you know either Chris Paul or James Harden. And now you seemingly put Melo out there, and Melo's a great shooter, can hit from three. Um, but I kind of worry that he's still at the point in his career where he's thinking, I want to be a ball handler. I want to, you know, create my own shot. I want to get into the the low post, hit a turnaround jumper, his signature move. And really, you know, he goes to Houston and it was kind of like an OKC. He's going to be the fourth best guy on the team, you know, behind the likes of uh, Chris Paul, James Harden and Clint Capella. I do expect Capella to return um, to the Rockets. So you have to convince Melo to buy in to what it's going to take to win a championship, to beat the Warriors. Because like we said, you know, the Rockets were up 3-2 to two on the Warriors, of course. We will never know how that series would have finished with a healthy Chris Paul. Of course, they lost. This is going to be a big year for Houston. Um, and, you know, hopefully they take a step forward and not one back. I'm just a little nervous bringing in Melo if you can convince him to buy into the new wave of the NBA. Because up until the point of his career, he has not shown that. He has, you know, continuously gotten worse on defense. He is still stuck to, I need the ball in my hand for a majority of the shot clock. I want to create my own shot. And, you know, I just, I think that it will be probably the best team he's ever been on if he does end up in Houston like I and many others expect. Um, But he still has a big ego. I worry about him not handling, you know, not having the ball as much in his hands. Um, Of course, he is a volume shooter and volume shooters get hot when they've got the ball in their hands a lot. And, you know, if he's just sitting in the corner like Trevor Ariza, who can be, you know, a guy that just waits there for his shot to come to him, Melo kind of really needs to get the shot going for him to get into a good rhythm and he needs to take a lot of shots. He's not going to get a lot, um, you know, especially in a pick and roll offense with Chris Paul and James Harden with Clint Capella and then kicking out to the outside three occasionally. There are a bunch of shooters on that team still. You've still got Eric Gordon, um, you know, former six man of the year who was great for them last year as well. Um, Ryan Anderson, of course, is on the decline, but he is a three-point shooter too. So Melo's not going to get the touches that he has expected in his career. Of course, in his Denver days and in his Knicks days, he was the best player on that team. So he could just say, well, I'm taking the shots because I'm the guy here. And he really took a step back last year in OKC because he was the fourth best player on that team. He wasn't the primary ball handler. He wasn't the primary shot creator. Um, He really had to play, uh, you know, almost a reserve role on that team. And, you know, there was rumored at one point he was asked to, you know, maybe run the second unit and he wasn't down with that. And, you know, I would expect after what Houston has lost on the wings this offseason that he would be in the starting lineup. 
but he's not going to get the touches that I think he wants. And so that's why I'm a little nervous. And I also think that it could, you know, have a negative effect on the success of the Rockets. Of course, you need to find someone there. And I, you know, I think Melo is a pretty good fit to of able small forwards left in free agency. Um, you know, good shooter. He has a good reputation in the NBA, good relationship with Chris Paul, has worked with Mike D'Antoni. So, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but if it goes bad and you have an you know, an upset Carmelo Anthony who's not getting the touches, the shots aren't going in, you're just going to see, you know, kind of just mellow. That's been his big thing is it's just, you know, he's he's mellow. He's laid back. He's got his money. He's got, you know, the life he wants. So he's content. You know, he's he's lost that drive. It almost seems to, um, you know, win an NBA championship or, you know, put his name even more in the record books. Um, he seems kind of just content at where he is in his life right now. And on the title contending team, that can be really detrimental when you've got guys who, you know, Chris Paul is one of the more aggressive guys out there that needs to win that championship. And, you know, they have a good relationship, Melo and Chris Paul, but on the court, it could be a detriment because you've got Chris Paul who's so driven. And then you got, you know, the mellowed down Carmelo Anthony. Um, I could see that even clashing towards the end of the season because they are both big personalities. Um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, he'll sign there and it won't be as bad as I'm making it sound. But I just am a little wary that it could hinder the Rockets' uh, potential moving forward and still trying to compete against Golden State and the rest of the NBA. We've got some restricted free agency moves. Um, recently, the Chicago Bulls matched the Sacramento Kings' offer sheet to restricted free agent Zach Levine, bringing him back in on a uh, four-year, $78 million uh, contract. Um, this was a little surprising to me. Chicago really wasn't that aggressive in bringing back Levine until there was an offer made. And of course, with free agency, you kind of can, you know, take a step back, wait for the other offers to come in and maybe get your guy for a little bit cheaper. But it was reported that Levine wasn't necessarily happy that that was the approach that they had taken. Um, Chicago kind of repaid the favor by saying that they were going to match that offer sheet almost hours after uh, the Kings decided to offer it to Levine and they, you know, agreed to terms um, this was just surprising to me because I really think that the Bulls, and I've said this previously, I think that they have a great core of young guys, and I thought it was kind of centered at the guard position around Zach Levine. Um, no, I don't think he's the most polished guy in the world. He's a freak athlete. Um, he is an okay shooter that I think can improve. Um, but I like what they have right now, you know, along with uh, Levine, they've got, you know, what should be a continuing to improve point guard in Chris Dunn. Um, now that he's out of, you know, Minnesota, um, they have, you know, one of the more surprising rookies from last year's draft class, a guy that I will admit that I was wrong on. Uh, Lori Markinen um, had a great rookie season. I thought that that was a mess of a, of a draft pick, but I, I was certainly proven wrong in that. Um, they also bring in Wendell Carter Jr., a guy that I was really high on to put him at the center position. They have a great young front court between the two of them. Um, you know, still have questions at the small forward position, but, you know, having Levine and Chris Dunn there, I really like the direction that they were going in. Um, so it was interesting to see that maybe Chicago really wasn't that forward with it, but of course, you know, signing him, matching that offer sheet immediately shows, you know, Levine, hopefully that they still want him to be a bull and can be, you know, at the center of this, um, this new young core that they have in Chicago. Another uh, restricted free agent off the books, um, Kyle Anderson, formerly 
of the uh, San Antonio Spurs is now with the Memphis Grizzlies, agreeing to a four-year, $37 million offer sheet, um, which San Antonio uh, declined to match. Um, you know, the Grizzlies, after losing Tyreek Evans earlier in free agency, really get that wing position addressed, um, bringing in Anderson. I don't think Anderson is necessarily a make-or-break talent. He is young. Um, he's 24 years old. I think that at the end of the day, he will start at the small forward position. Um, I guess my biggest thing with this deal is I was really hoping Anderson would stay in San Antonio. Um, I thought he was a guy that would have just been another perfect fit with Coach Pop, a guy that would you know never be the the highest valued guy on another team's radar, but a guy that has significant value, you know, either off the bench or in a you know in starting lineup after you know Kawhi. Who knows what's going on with that situation? I thought that, you know, the connection there, Pop would have done a good job grooming him into being, you know, a good starter in this league. And I, you know, he, maybe he is. I have just said that I believe, you know, he'll start in Memphis. So maybe he's done enough already in his first few years. I think that, you know, there are certain coaches that can just take guys to another level. Um, You know, Pop and Brad Stevens, just to name the top two that come to my head. And so I would have liked to see him there. Um, Anderson averaged about eight points and five and a half rebounds in just a under 27 minutes a game last season for the Spurs. Of course, you know, the former 30th pick in the NBA draft uh, from UCLA. I like the move for Memphis just because they get a young guy at a position of need, and it really didn't cost them that much. Um, I thought four years, 37 was a fair assessment for Anderson. That's another reason I was kind of surprised San Antonio didn't match. I thought that was a fair offer, especially, you know, with the contract you're paying Danny Green, I look at the levels of that. It's roughly, you know, around the same that you would have given him a few years back. So, you know, at the end of the day, I was a little shocked that the Spurs chose to move on. But, of course, you know, Memphis got a, a good young talent on the wing, can get into that new grit and grind era that Memphis is trying to really establish. Last bit of news uh, before we get into some of the other topics. Former Utah Jazz forward Jonas Arepko was picked up by the Golden State Warriors, thus adding to, you know, their depth at, you know, the forward position, a guy that is, you know, a knockdown shooter. I was a little surprised that, you know, given the salary that he did clear waivers, um, I thought that, you know, other teams maybe just in to spite Golden State and maybe, you know, take a guy away from them would have brought him in because I do think as a veteran guy, he's more undervalued than, um you know, what maybe he's paid or what other teams think of him. You know, a veteran guy off the bench, he's a consistent shooter. Um, I thought he did well enough throughout his entire career and in Utah. Um, but now you add him to Golden State, and I'm sure that he'll just fit in at, you know, probably the middle to end of that bench. Of course, they've got some young guys on the wings um, at the forward position that they want to give minutes to. So Repco might just be, you know, a, fall sa- a fail safe if there's, you know, injuries. Um, maybe put him out there in crunch time. But I would have liked to see him on another team just to kind of uh, not benefit Golden State so much. So we're about 10 days into free agency now. And I want to kind of give you who I believe have had the what teams have had the best free agency up until this point, And then some teams that have had maybe not so great starts to the free agency period. And the not so greats is hard to judge. We're in a free agency period where it seems to be a lot of one-year deals, a majority of one-year deals, um, and really teams aren't tying up that too mu- that much money. You know, mostly because the 2019 free agent class is going to be extreme. There's a ton of open talent there, so I think teams are really just yeah, we'll bring in for a year, but let- we want cap space for 2019. So you know, 
I could only really come up with two teams off the top of my head that have had not so great free agencies, and then I'm going to give you three that I think have had some really good starts to the free agency period, and I'm not including Golden State or the Lakers. Of course, if you're Golden State and you bring in DeMarcus Cousins to your already star-studded lineup, you bring in bring back Kevin Durant, that's a great free agency. The Lakers, you get LeBron James, great free agency. So I'm not going to include those. Those are no-brainers. I'm going to start off with the good. I'm going, my, my favorite team this free agency period has been the Indiana Pacers. Um, you know, a team that really just after a good year last season is hungry, um, especially with LeBron out of the East now, the East is up for grabs. And, you know, they're solidifying themselves to me as a top four team in the Eastern Conference. Um, after waving Al Jefferson, big fan of that, I didn't think he fit into where the team was going. They bring in Tyreek Evans from Memphis. They bring in Doug McDermott from Dallas. And then they bring in Kylo Quinn, a, a really undervalued guy in his time at New York. Um, as a big Knicks fan, he was one of the more underappreciated stars in this league that was, you know, making not so much money in his time in New York. Didn't really get the minutes in a crowded front court, but is a great guy off the bench. And all of these guys, you know, Tyreek Evans, you know, will probably get some starting time or be the sixth man. Um, Doug McDermott, a great shooter to have off the bench. Kyle Quinn, a good defensive guy, can also add some offense. You know, it was a double-double machine with the Knicks. I, I look at this team and I think, you know, in the East, I've got, you know, Boston, Philadelphia, and Toronto still, you know, in that top three teams in the Eastern Conference. But Indiana is right there at number four, potentially even more so. You know, we've got growing star in Victor Oladipo. You've got Miles Turner. You uh, have DeMontis Sabonis. And then you add this bench depth. I think that they're going in the perfect direction in an East that now doesn't have LeBron James and is up for grabs. Indiana Pacers have had, you know, the greatest start to free agency of any team uh, this season. Moving on to this, you know, another team that I've loved, uh, their moves in free agency, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Of course, no one expected them to bring back Paul George. They get their guy. They get their second star next to Russ for, you know, the next few years. Now, I love that move. Um, you had to keep him. You couldn't afford to lose another star next to Russ. You were going to really be looking at having Melo stay on that team. That's another thing that goes into this offseason move. If you're able to get rid of Melo, I think it's a good fit. I think it was a little dramatic at times toward the end of the season when he wasn't getting his touches. He definitely regressed. So, you know, opening up a roster spot that doesn't have Melo on it is, you know, another plus for their free agency. Resigning Jeremy Grant. He's a good athletic defender. Um, the shot is there at times. Uh, you know, another Syracuse alum. Got to give some love to Jeremy Grant. Bringing him back in three years, 27 mil. Um, I think was a valuable guy off the bench. Could serve some minutes at, you know, power forward. Maybe as the starting power forward next season. We'll have to wait and see where that goes. But I definitely think he is up for grabs at the starting position. If not a great guy to have off the bench. Um, another guy that I liked, uh, you know, Nerlens Noel. I think he was a little under the radar because, you know, there was such a mess in Dallas. There was just uh, tension between him and the coaching staff management. He was brought in on an extremely cheap deal. He didn't like the situation. I like him as a good defender off the bench. Um, I think that, you know, you have to keep him on the bench because in the starting lineup, the offense gets a little wacky in your front court between uh, Nerlens and Steven Adams. So, you know, a good bench guy, a good defender, a good shot blocker. I like that signing. Also bringing back Raymond Felton, who, you know, had some good moments at backup point guard. Um, 
I just think if anything, Oklahoma City has showed us this offseason that they're not going away quiet. They think that their end of this, their early end in the playoffs last year was a fluke. They're ready to re-up. They're ready to add depth with a healthy Roberson back. You know, a starting lineup of what may look like Russell Westbrook, Roberson, Paul George. That is one of the best, you know, just one, two, and three defensively in the league. And then you add in Jeremy Grant, Steven Adams at the four and five. Or Nerlens Noel, of course, if they choose to go in that direction and just really stuff it in on defense. I think this team is, you know, better than a majority of the Western Conference. Of course, I don't have them better than Houston or Golden State. But, you know, if you're looking through their entire roster, I know that the Lakers have L.A., but, you know, the Thunder have a more complete roster, more star power. Um, you know, they might be the third best team in the Western Conference. I'm not ready to put them there yet. There's a lot of time to go until the regular season starts. I'll give you you know, my list as we head into the season in October. But for now, they have made the right moves to establish themselves into the consideration as a top three team in the Western Conference and, you know, maybe a top five team in the NBA. And the third team um, that I think has had a good start to free agency period has lost some guys, but I think that they've added enough guys to keep themselves relevant uh, going into next season. That's the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, you know, losing Boogie, who knows where he is going to be by the time he's ready to play next season. You know, a, a 280-pound guy with a to- coming off a torn Achilles. Um, definitely, you weren't going to get what you got from him in the beginning of last season next to Anthony Davis. So I'm okay moving on from him. Um, and then the, the, the their biggest loss of the year uh, is Rondo. And that is a big, significant loss, losing him to the Lakers. Um, you know, he was an electric guy at the point guard position, really came alive in the playoffs, um, you know, was just tearing up Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in the playoff series in that sweep over Portland, losing him is a big loss, but the reason I have them on here, they bring back Ian Clark, a good shooter off the bench. They need help on the wings. They've consistently needed help on the wings. Honestly, since Anthony Davis was drafted, um, they needed shooters around him kind of as an option to kick out in certain situations when everyone crashes in on AD. Um, keeping Ian Clark there, I'm fine with that. Uh, Alfred Payton, taking a flyer on a young guy. Uh, you know, maybe he'll get that starting job if you want to keep Drew Holiday at the two guard, um, which I think is the best fit for him. Alfred was, you know, on a you know terrible situation in Orlando. Orlando is probably one of the messiest teams in the league. And Alfred, you know, of course has to put out sometimes he had some good you know numbers I remember a triple double or two last season of you know got traded to Phoenix didn't work out there as well at the end of the season um, bring him in small contract just you know give him a chance see if he can work out there if not slide into the bench move Drew to starting uh, one guard um, and then my favorite move for New Orleans of course was getting Julius Randle a guy that really went unnoticed at the end of last season because you know he really was fighting for a lot of minutes up until the trade deadline with Larry Nance Jr. Once he was gone it it was the Julius Randle show in Los Angeles. He had some great games and if you're losing DeMarcus Cousins um, you got to bring someone back in in that front court because it is empty and is as empty as it comes up front but when you got AD you can move him to center now. Julius Randle I'd I'd put it the four just given height um, but a great guy all-around game um, can rebound, can defend, can you know even you know pass a little. Has a good shot. Bring him in on two years, not that much money. I like the fit just because you lost a guy up front and you had to bring another starting caliber guy in there, and he was available. Um, not the greatest free agency. Didn't really make themselves any better necessarily. Um, I thought the Rondo loss is huge, 
But if this works out, if they can continue this way, they still have made themselves relevant in a tough Western Conference. It can hopefully stay alive in that, you know, four through seven range in the postseason. We're going to flip it over now to the two teams that I really think haven't had the best free agencies. Um, and the first one is a, a team that really never is great in free agency. Um, they never make, you know, any big moves. They usually like to keep their guys, build through their system, and they have had a ton of success. Um, that is the San Antonio Spurs. Really, honestly, haven't made any moves this summer. Um, to me, you know, you lose Tony Parker, um, a guy that, you know, wanted to finish his career in San Antonio, but um, decided to join the Charlotte Hornets on a two-year, $10 million deal. Losing him is kind of just, you know, one of those heartbreaking signings. I don't think that you're losing that much talent. He was on the end of his, you know, days in the NBA, um, was an older guy. They've got younger guards that definitely deserve more opportunities in San Antonio and should now that he is gone. But it was one of those things where you, you would like to see a guy who has spent so many years, I believe it was 18 years as a spur to finish his career there, whether it be, you know, getting to that 20 year mark to be able to finish with one organization. I mean, look at Dallas Dirk Nowitzki. He's not playing that well at this point at his age, you know, with his legs, but he gets to retire a Dallas Maverick when he does. Um, you know, it's unfortunate to see him outside and not wearing a Spurs jersey. It'll look weird on a on a NBA court next season. Um, so that one hurt. And then losing Kyle Anderson, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I really expected them to keep him there, especially with, you know, you don't know how long Kawhi Leonard is going to remain on your roster. If the right deal comes along, um, it's a guy to have at the position. Uh, you know, if, you know, you trade him to, you know, LA and you bring in Brandon Ingram. Well, you've got a guy at small forward who is, you know, in the San Antonio organization while Brandon Ingram gets accustomed to the new wave, um, the new team and stuff like that. Even if you trade him to Boston and you get somehow, you know, a Jalen Brown, that's another, you know, small forward that's going to have to readjust. Uh, maybe not as much because I think there are a lot of comparisons between Brad Stevens and pop, but you know, I, I thought that Kyle Anderson for his age for the asking price wasn't that much. Um, and so, you know, San Antonio is going to be okay. Um, of course, we have to see what happens with Kawhi, and they could be more than okay and could be, you know, a relevant playoff team with a top 10 player um, in that starting lineup. Um, they're still going to compete. It's a Greg Popovich team. They're going to give it their all. They're going to remain relevant. I just don't think that, you know, in a free agency where they lose some guys here and there, they really haven't done anything to bring anyone in to fill those holes. So, that, you know, they're having one of the weaker starts to free agency among the league. And then we get to the team of dysfunction. Uh, the Washington Wizards, in my eyes, have had one of the more intriguing, eye-opening, and not-in-a-good-way off-seasons in the NBA. Um, it started with trading away Marching Gortat, which I understand there was, you know drama between him and John Wall. Um, there was, you know, a, a ton of chemistry issues in the locker room, but then you bring in Austin Rivers, and this is a guy that I have not been high on at all at any point in his NBA career. Um, I don't think that he really adds anything that fixes chemistry. I think there was also some tension in his days in LA um, with him in the locker room, wanting more minutes, wanting more touches, uh, not getting what he wanted. And I think, you know, you put him in a spot where he's still on the bench behind John Wall and Bradley Beal. He's going to be a guy that maybe isn't that happy with his situation either. So I, you know, a, the trade, I like getting, you know, rid of Marchin, 
but bringing in a guy that I think can add more drama doesn't really help them at all. And then the move of all moves, signing Dwight Howard uh, on a two-year $10 million deal, I believe, is just probably one of the worst signings in this free agency period. And, you know, Dwight, I'll give him credit, can still defend, is still a good rim protector, adds off the pick and roll what he can. I just don't like the fit here in Washington because it's another personality that I think will just butt heads with an Austin Rivers or with a John Wall. Um, You know, they were tight on money. They've got a fat contract stuffed into Ian Mahimney. Uh, Of course, they paid Otto Porter Jr. big last offseason. You know, maybe that's a decision they regret, maybe not. Um, They were hoping to get DeMarcus Cousins, but of course, maybe it sounds now that the market wasn't that big. Um, So maybe they chose not to go in that direction, but it seemed to be that that was going to be one of the top um, teams for Boogie just because of the connection between Wall and DeMarcus. Maybe, you know, add something positive to the chemistry there, a connection, even though DeMarcus can be a detriment at times to other players. Um, You know, looking at the lineup, Bradley Beal, John Wall, Dwight Howard, it just looks like it's going to be a washed up failure. And it's not something that Scott Brooks needs really in his early years as head coach for the Wizards. Um, you know, he's I think he's going on his third season now as head coach, third or fourth. And to me, it's just he's entering that point where it's, you know, a make or break season with LeBron outside of the Eastern Conference. They still should be a playoff team, but they should really, with John Wall and Bradley Beal, be pushing for that top five, top six seed. Uh, Honestly, I think they were underwhelming last year. Of course, John Wall missed a lot of time, but they were also playing some of their better basketball without John Wall and still managed to finish eighth in the conference. Um, It's just been an interesting offseason. I think it has a ton of potential to blow up in their face, and you know they might have to move some of their key players at the trade deadline or next offseason because of the moves that they have made here today in this uh, 2018 free agency. So those are really not my winners and losers of free agency. It's always too early to tell who won free agency. I think we can, in a year from now, look back and be like, these are the teams that did it right. But those are the guys that I think have either helped themselves the most to start off free agency and those who really haven't, you know, maybe set themselves back in this first week to 10 days of free agency. But we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk some NBA Summer League. Um, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, impressive moments, some guys trying to make their, their name for themselves. We get to see this rookie class for the first time on an NBA, uh, court, you know, fighting against some NBA talent. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it it, it can be telling, you know, the summer league, I've always liked to say, let's, you know, let's take a step back when we want to overreact to certain players struggling or certain players doing well. I like to say, all right, well, let's just take a second. Let's realize This is the summer league. They're playing against probably some of the lower levels of talent in the NBA. It's their first time out there. So if they're struggling, let's not rush into things. But, you know, look at last season. One of the more impressive rookies from last year's class was Jason Tatum. And you look at the summer league from the season before, 32 minutes a game, almost 18 points a game, shot 42.2% from the field, eight rebounds, one assist. He had a good summer league. And if you want to flip it, De'Aaron Fox, uh, the fifth overall pick from last year's draft, had an up and down season. And you you look at Summer League, it was 11.8 points, three assists, but he shot 12.5% from three. Shooting from the rest of the field was okay, but it it kind of shows that. And then even some of the sleepers, you know, one more guy I'll touch on just from last year's Kyle Kuzma 
We didn't expect him to, you know, have the great season that he had in LA. But if you look at Summer League, 20 and a half points a game, six rebounds, three assists, shot 48% from the field and 45% from three. This can be telling in certain aspects. I mean, in, in the way that it doesn't, uh, Markel Fultz, 16 points, shot 40% from the field and 38% from three. Um, you know, he still had a good summer league and then had the mess of the regular season where he sat out basically the entire year so he could figure out his jump shot. See, that's the stuff that could be misleading. But I just named you three guys that if you want to look at what they did in summer league, it shows, you know, how they had such a successful rookie season. So now we're going to look at this year's uh, summer league participants and maybe giving a, you know, a quick outlook on their upcoming season, given from what we've seen in their earlier stages. The first guy we got to look at is a guy that I really haven't been high on at all this year. Um, You know, Trey Young. Uh, now of the Atlanta Hawks, um, the former fifth overall pick, but he was, you know, traded to the team who had the third overall pick, maybe passed on the the draft's best player in Luka Doncic. We don't have time to ridicule them for that. Um, I've said, you know, months ago, there was a rumor that Trey Young was tied into the Knicks and they loved the connection there. And I hated it. I, I thought that, you know, Steph Curry is an all-time great, but he's a rarity. Russell Wilson, an undersized quarterback, is a rarity. You are not going to find another guy that is undersized like that and can do what he do. No one do what he does. Uh, Steph Curry has an amazing shot and gives 100% effort and is very consistent. He's the most most lethal shooter of all time. Russell Wilson is probably, you know, for his size, the most athletically gifted quarterback that we'll ever see at, you know, 5'9 or 5'11, whatever he's at. Trey Young was given, you know, some ungodly comparisons, but really all I saw in college was a ball hog in, you know, an offense that was completely centered around him, chucking up shots, you know, getting some assists here and there. Um, It was just, you know, they were just feeding him the ball the entire time. It ran through him and only him. And that's not how the NBA works. It doesn't. Trey Young has had a, you know, somewhat miserable uh, start to uh, his... NBA career. In his first three games in Utah, he shot 12.5% from beyond the arc, hitting three of 24 attempts. He was shooting it from all over the floor. Um, He did end up with a high point total. Um, His first game in Las Vegas, he had 21 points. Um, But, you know, people need to pump their brakes. I was very critical of Atlanta for trading away possibly the best guard in the draft for Luka Do- or for Trey Young, um, especially when they had Dennis Schroeder there. I thought an undersized guy, high-volume shooter. There are rarities that are all-time greats that do that. Trey Young is not that in my eyes, and maybe he can grow into a better, you know, a, a better form, better shot. But stock is definitely down on Trey Young, as it should have been from the start. People giving him these Steph Curry claims, the next great shooter to come into this league. Pump the brakes. Of course, like I said, Summer League is not always showing of what it's going to be when we step onto a court in October. But from what I'm seeing, I see a guy that is going to hog the ball too much, take some shots that he should not be taking, and it's really going to hinder the Atlanta offense in what should be, you know, a big rebuilding year for the Hawks. Stock up, however, on a guy that I... Uh, am in love with, and maybe there's something special about Knicks fans being booed on draft day. Last we saw with Kristaps Porzingis and how well that's turned out. 
uh, Kevin Knox has had an amazing uh, start to his summer league in Vegas. Kevin Knox, a, a freak athlete, taking it uh, the ninth overall pick. Uh, Knicks fans booed for some God knows why reason. In his first two games, he's averaged 20.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 2 assists, and a 1.5 steals. He is rocking rims. He's a freak athlete, defender, um, all-around talent, who I think is going to step in day one as the starter for the Knicks. Um, and I don't really think that that should be a question. They brought in Mario Hazonia. Um, I think he's more just fit for a bench role, maybe try and get you know just one of those nice shooters off the bench. But you look at the small forwards, Lance Thomas, no, not really. Uh, Kevin Knox should be the starting small forward, but I think he's going to be better than that. Uh, like we've seen, he can shoot. Um, of course, a majority of his plays have been some highlight dunks. He is a freak athlete at getting to the rim. He's already put some guys on posters. I know, like I said, we're taking Summer League with a grain of salt, from, but from what I've seen, he could very easily be you know, an all-NBA first-team type talent given how some of these other guys who have been picked ahead of him have struggled. Of course, the success of the team is always important. Last year, we saw Jason Tatum uh, finish in you know, the top three voting for Rookie of the Year because they were in the playoffs. Ben Simmons as well. Same with Donovan Mitchell. They Their three teams were you know making deep runs into the postseason I don't think the Knicks are there but you know he's a guy that could be you know just outside of rookie of the year voting maybe a top five six guy where I think he could be all NBA first team stock is definitely up on Kevin Knox as we approach the end of summer league and the beginning of training camps as we get into the next NBA season Another guy that I was high on as we approached the uh, the you know coming weeks, to the NBA draft. Shai Gilligas Alexander from Kentucky. Um, of course, I thought that he was a top 10 talent. Of course, slipped outside of the top 10. 211 was eventually traded to the Clippers. Uh, he's had a, a great start to the summer league. And with a team like the Clippers, who you know traded away Austin Rivers, lost Chris Paul a year ago, um, definitely have the opportunity for Gilligas Alexander to really step in and maybe be the starting guard from day one. Um, in Los Angeles, he's averaging 17 points a game, five rebounds, three assists, two steals and a block all around great game. He's got great court vision. He's been, you know, putting up, uh, you know, getting playmakers open shots. He's been making, you know, some great passes early on. Um, I think that, you know, this is also going to be great for the Clippers because it takes a load off of, uh, Lou Williams. I think they've got a good combo guard in here. Um, not a guy that is really going to, you know, be the face of a franchise, but is definitely can work into being, uh, an above average starter at the position. I think this may come as one of the steals of the draft at the end of the day. And like I said, you know, these are some big claims I'm making it's summer league, but I've been high on him since the, you know, draft process. He slipped to, uh, to fall into the Clippers late in the lottery. And I think he could be, you know, one of the steals along with Knox, like I said, being picked at ninth. Um, Shagulagus Alexander stock is definitely up on him. He's got a great opportunity. There's some good young talent around him. Um, good shooters around him as well. Like I said, in Lou Williams, uh, last year's six man of the year. Um, I like what they got going. I think this is a good young front court. I believe he can, you know, be a good defender an agile guy. He has an all around game. Good vision stock is up on Shagulagus Alexander. And the last guy that I'm going to talk about from this summer league, and of course, you know, stock is up on DeAndre 
Aiton. I don't need to say that and discuss it more. First overall pick, I like what he's done. He's proven he can shoot, he can defend. I think he's going to fit just well in Phoenix um, along with some other young stars. But I'm actually going to talk about the second overall pick, Marvin Bagley III. Everyone is ready to just say stock is down on him from his summer league games. Just looking at the numbers first, in three games in the uh, Sacramento end of the summer league, he averaged, you know, almost nine points, um, five and a half rebounds, two blocks a game, and shot 31% from the field. These aren't eye-popping numbers um, from the start. And then, you know, in his one Las Vegas game, um, he did, you know, in 32 minutes, average 15 points, shot 39% from the field, seven rebounds, two assists, and a block to go along with a steal. Of course, he's out for the rest of the summer league with an injury. Um, People knew defensively that Bagley wasn't going to be that polished right off the start. So people are now saying, well, he's not getting his shot to fall down. So, of course... You know, if he doesn't have the defense, the offense isn't there to start off the summer league. Let's, you know, worry about him and say that this is just going to fall apart. Bagley was taken a little higher than I would have selected him. I thought that he was, you know, in that three to five range in the toss up with, you know, the likes of Jaron Jackson, Luka Doncic, Mo Bamba. Um, But offensively, he is going to be just fine. It takes these guys some time to develop their shot. Um, And especially in the low post, you know, I know I'm sounding a little contradictory right now to what I said about Trey Young, but Trey Young has, you know, shown at times he can be a really cold shooter and his size doesn't match up where I believe Bagley is going to do just fine in the league at the forward position. He's a long guy. Um, He has offensive talent, you know, in his time at uh, Duke averaging 21 points and 11 rebounds. Um, Of course, rebounding numbers are down. Shooting percentage was a little off. This is the one guy that I think people are overreacting on too much. I know I've just hyped up some guys earlier and I said, you know, starting point guard in the league, um, you know, Kevin Knox could be all NBA first team. This is a guy that I'm saying that I've been reading that it's like the, the sky is falling. You know, the number two overall pick can't shoot, can't defend. The shot is going to get there in time. You know, I think he's got to find his fit into the offense. Of course, they're rotating minutes now. Harry Giles you know, in the front court has had some great games in his second summer league. I just think it were overreacting a little too high on Marvin Bagley. Um, the offense is going to get there with him. Of course, now he's missing the rest of the summer league. So hopefully by the beginning of the season, he's got, you know, some of his tools refined and he'll be ready to go. I'm not worried about Bagley. Um, I think he'll be just fine and we need to uh, just pump the brakes on the criticism so far. So I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Blake Pace Podcast. We're bringing back in the music now. We're going to let this play out. Uh, thank you again. We, you know, switch into this new format. This is the first NBA-only episode. I hope you guys like it this way. Um, from what I've heard, this seems to be just the best way to go forward with the show. As always, follow me on Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace. Leave a five-star review on the podcast on iTunes. Leave a comment. You know, ask a question. I'll be sure to, you know, answer some. Um, on next show but until then we'll catch you next week talking more about you know the nba summer league some more free agency moves we'll talk to you then